appreciate this one. Let's hope your eyes should be open up your sins from this one. Not come to listen to man and talk to get from me. Oh, my Abraham, it has to be a total of Father, the thing that you have said to me this morning grows quickly in me. Lord, let no man leave this place without a touch from you. Behold, I am the Lord. When I open a door, another man will close. The doors you have opened in this morning, no man will close. The doors men have closed against you, God will open this morning in the name of Jesus. Lord, as we look into your word, teach us in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Oh, not you never say I'm happy to see you in church this morning. If your neighbor is beautiful and looking good, huh? listen to instruction. If you talk to your neighbor and the person is beautiful or handsome and looks good, tell the person, I am happy to see you. So if your neighbor did not tell you anything, check yourself. Uh. All right. All right, let's take our seats. Ah. You know. Pastor, thank you for this opportunity. We're not taking it for granted. Thank you for an opportunity to discuss with the brain. You know when Gabriel started talking this morning and um he, he, he made a statement, he said, when Jesus comes, and then you look at him and look at yourself, and you see that there is no difference. It's a part. It means that this thing God wants to see, I started announcing it. Praise God. Hallelujah. We started a journey from last Sunday. And uh, maybe can someone remind us clearly what we looked at? Someone help us remember what we we looked at last time. Who was paying attention? Who can can walk us through? Can preach the message for last Sunday? No, no, no. I, I love that. All right. So just uh, let's give it to me. You can make it to me. You won't fight me. <laughs> All right. The journey of birth, and we looked at the mind, which is the domain of thought. That everything we think about is coming from the mind. The mind processes what we think about, how we are going to portray. Her boss did not reach where our boss reached last Sunday. She stopped us halfway. So, oh, and yeah, she just sailed. And she just started. So someone should continue. Huh? What happened? <laughs> someone should. Okay. So, taking it from where she stopped, um, we went through several uh, school of thoughts about how the mind works. We were able to find out that so many of the things that were heard in the past about how the mind works is not to be true. 
going by the word of God. Uh, one of them is the fact that people believe that our minds channels our future. Tells us where we are going, like our destination. And we're able to find out that it is not completely true. the fact that the heart itself, the mind that processes the thoughts itself, is desperately wicked. So we can never get into a very good destination. That's why we look at the word and the scripture that says that there is a way that seems right unto the man, but the end thereof is destruction. Let me not go too far. We allow him, he's going to uh, praise God. That was beautiful. But, you know, God helped Pastor to realize that that boss has not reached the final destination. Pastor, he noticed that we stopped somewhere. And he insisted that we must drive to the destination. So let's drive this morning. We laid the foundation. We said that, yes, the heart, which is the soil in which we plant the seed of thoughts, must be right. Huh? And then the thoughts also. Of course, because we have a good soil, does not now say you can plant anything you want. Eh? That was why Paul will now start talking. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, say whatsoever things are true, whatever things are honest, whatever things are pure, whatever things are true, eh? whatever things are good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, he says what? <laughs> On these things. So, there are specific seeds, viable seeds that you must plant on the good soil to produce the required harvest. Okay? And that was a summary of where we stopped. But then, does it end there? If we get a good mind and think good thoughts, the next question we'll ask is to what end? Huh? I mean, we are just born to be thinking good and lovely thoughts. What is the end? Paul describes our work as a race. But you know the thing about a race? If I tell you start running and I don't give you a destination, anywhere you get tired is your finish line. Is it not? Huh? Which is why before someone starts running, they say, okay, it's a hundred meter streets. It's four hundred meter streets. If you stop before then, you are on your own. Praise God. In 1 John chapter 3, 2 to 3. 1 John Okay. And someone read for us. Uh, is there a microphone? But friends, that's exactly how we are. Who we are, sorry. Friends, children of God. And that's only the that's only the beginning. Who knows how we will end up? What we know is that when Christ is openly, openly revealed, we will see him. And in seeing him, we come like him. Some of us who look forward to his coming, stay ready with the pleasing purity of Jesus' life as a model for our own. Praise God. Praise God. I like 
have aversion, don't it? He just says, now we are children of God. Aversion says, the being children of God is what just the beginning. It's just the beginning part of the journey. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. We don't know if we are going to have wings, or if we are going to have pain, or if we are going to arrive naked, or arrive with clothes. Or some people say we are going to be glowing like light. Some say we are going to still have this body and it will be transformed. It's not very clear. There are great areas around those parts. But one thing we are certain about is that when we arrive the destination, when we that when we arrive the destination and we see him like Gabe said this morning we will be like him the ultimate reason why God will take his mind and put in a man is not so that we can come to church and ask how many of us have the mind of Christ and you raise up your hand and we say, Good, you have passed. The ultimate reason why God will take his mind and put it in man is so that man can become God. Mm. Are we together now? So, the, the end point of the journey we started is not just so that you can have the mind of Christ and take good thoughts. It is so that at the end of this journey, when you get to this other side, and we take a look at you, and we take a look at Jesus, there is no difference. Are we together now? So, can we proceed on the remaining part of the journey? Between that point of getting the mind of Christ and that destination where you will arrive, which is being like Jesus. See, it is great pride to every parent to have children that look like them and act like them. You know, in Igbo we have a special word for that. Eh? You say, Ntabo Yirinaya. Eh? Who understands what I just said? This one looks like his father. Especially when the child is doing something good. You know, we fathers, we know it's to do evil. Okay. Even the Bible said it now. Now, when a child is good, it's the, it's the child of the father. Huh? <laughs> when, when, when you can take a look at your offspring and you can see your characteristics embedded in your offspring, it brings great pride to any parent. Is it, however, not sad that people that go by the title children of God have very little in common with God? Hmm. John started talking in 1st John chapter 1, 5 to 6. He says, this is the word that we have received and we declare it unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. He says in verse 6 that if you claim you fellowship, you have fellowship with him, 
and we take a look at your life and we can see consistent patterns of darkness, then we have only one conclusion for you that you are a liar. Beloved, now we are children of God. At the end of it, we should be like Him. In between this point and the destination, there are three things that happen. Let me get to that slide. There are three things that must happen to a man. And if I can correctly explain these things, then we are done for the day. We are good. Three things must happen to a man from the point of just having the mind of Christ to the end point of being God. The first is formation. That should be the next slide after this. I made a diagram of it so that um, we can declare formation, conformation, and transformation. Paul uses these words interchangeably in throughout his writings. They are not necessarily sequential, that's why I put it in a secular format. It does not necessarily have to proceed from. And they are repeated processes. It should happen over and over again. And after a man passes through this, the output should be something that looks more and more like God. Now, every action, everything you see manifest was first formed in the realm of thoughts. You see, that's where our journey started from. Everything you see a man wake up and do was first conceptualized in the realm of thoughts. Which is why it was important where we started from. But you see, permit me to take it a lot higher. Because it is not even every good thought that can produce the required transformation. Hello? We are moving now. We are leaving that bus stop we stopped from last Sunday. Now, there is nothing wrong if you are thinking, what am I going to eat today after service? There's nothing wrong with um, ah, what am I going to prepare for my husband? Eh? What will my children wear tomorrow for school? But Jesus begins to speak in Matthew chapter 6 from verse 31. He says, take no thought of what you shall eat or what you shall drink. For your heavenly father already knows you have need of these things. Thinking about these things, as good as the thoughts are, are not able to produce the required change, the required transformation. He says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and its righteousness. And when you can set your mind along this frequency, it's only a matter of time you will find out that those other things you think you need, it comes. 
There are thoughts that can produce transformation. And if we have said that our end product, our destination is being like Christ. Hello? Then it only makes sense that at the point of formation, we have to allow Christ to be formed in us. And that is why Paul begins to cry in Galatians chapter 4, verse 19. He says, My little children, of whom I travel in birth, again and again, until Christ be formed in you. He says, I, I am like a woman in labor. I keep pushing and pushing and pushing. I don't stop until when something comes out and I can look at the fingers and look at the legs and look at the shape of the head and I can say truly, this one is in the image of his father. Hello? There is no manifestation without formation. Are you following me? No manifestation without formation. The Bible tells us that Jesus chose 12 that they should be with him and that he might send them forth to preach. Pay attention to the keywords there. He chose 12 that they should be with him. That's the primary purpose of the selection. And that he might send them forth to preach. Sending them forth is conditional based on how much they have learned of him. Because we see that the, the, the creation is awaiting the manifestation of the children of God. Eh? And I, I type of prophetics here. Let's go manifest. Creation is waiting for us. Without proper formation, you will find out that you will go out there and have nothing to manifest. Are we together now? Jesus was talking again. He says, All things have been delivered to me from my Father. He says, And no man knows the Father but the Son. And to him whom the Son will reveal the Father. It was the next verse immediately after that that he said, Therefore, come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. He says, Take my yoke upon you and do what? Learn of me. Can you talk to your neighbor and say, Formation? Now, the next thing that happens, sorry. Thank you. Now, the next thing that happens is what? Confirmation. Are we together? Confirmation. Of these three, actually, confirmation is where you are significantly required to participate. Confirmation is a conscious attempt 
to make something in the form or likeness of another. I've been privileged to see a locksmith make a copy of an original key. So I sat there that day, I gave him the key. And the first thing he did was to take the original key and place it on a surface and studied it, he clamped it there. And then he brought a block of metal that didn't look like much and brought it beside the original. And he began to cut and fight and chisel until at the end, when you take a look at the two keys, it was difficult to tell them apart. That is what confirmation is. That is what confirmation is. The next thing, the next step, after learning of God, when you have allowed God to be formed in you, the next thing a man is expected to do is to bring your life eh, and consider it in the light of the life of Christ. And then you begin to fight and cut things that are not We stay together. Yeah. James was talking in James chapter 1, 22 to 25. He says, it is insufficient to just keep hearing this word. You come to church, you hear the word, you go home. He says, let us not just be hearers only, but also doers. Because if you stop at this point of just hearing and learning, you are like a man that takes a look at himself in the mirror. Because that's what happens at formation. You begin to see yourself in the light of Christ. And then he turns away from the mirror. And what happens? He forgets. And so you begin to consciously model your life in line with the new mentality God has given you. You know Hebrews chapter 12. One to two. What does he say? He says, seeing as we are compassed about by a great cloud of witness, just let us what? Run with patience the race that is set before us. You know, have you ever seen people run with patience? Let, let's think about it. Have you ever seen people run with patience? <laughs> when, when, when you are, see, the, the essence of a race is first to reach. Even when it's a marathon, even when it's a marathon, you can only have patience when people are behind you. The essence of the race is first to arrive. So, what, what, I mean, Paul has said, let us run. And I can imagine the Olympians among them, they've put on their shoes ready to run. He said, wait, this is not the usual kind of race. Every other race on earth tests us on the pedestal, on the scale of speed. This race is measured on the scale of conformity. He says, looking unto Jesus, let me show you your finish line. Your finish line is Jesus, but he is not at a distance. 
So the essence of this race is that as you are running, you are looking at yourself. Am I looking like Jesus? At any point, you realize that you are running in an opposite direction. What do you do? You stop. Can you say wrong with patience? It's not a race of speed. That's why I, I laugh when people say, I've, I've been, I gave my life to Christ 50 years ago. I've been in church for 32 years. What do you want to tell me that I have not had before? <laughs> say wrong with patience. It is a race that measures conformity, not speed. Looking unto Jesus. And finally, transformation. Now, God begins to work from the inside of a man, utilizing also the revelation that you have acquired at the point of formation. And he begins to transform that man from the inside out. He begins to transform the man from the inside out. Hebrews 2 13 says, For it is God that works well in you, in me. A continuous repetition of the cycle. God takes a man character by character. You acquire a knowledge on what God is saying about this character. You, 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 you make yourself walk in line with that. And very soon you find out that you are effortlessly living the life. And then God sends you back to another character. Take a look at this one too. You take a look at it, you see what God is saying. You make yourself walk in that reality. And very soon you find out that you are living effortlessly. And the cycle repeats character by character. Until when we see him. Is it clear now? If I stop my message here, I have finished everything I want to tell you. Or just so that somebody will say that the offering I paid today is not complete. No, let let's 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 try and um, touch a few more things so that the offering will not be a waste. Praise God. I want us to now discuss. It's no longer preaching. Pastor mentioned the last Sunday that he wants this to be also more of a discussion. We want to focus on conformity. Are there one or two areas we can point out this morning that we can immediately begin to shape our life to look like Christ? You know, like that locksmith, we want to take the life of Christ and consider it and then put our life side by side and see if there are things we can begin to train from today. Eh? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Let's go. Let's go. Now, if we go back to the place we started to read from last Sunday, Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. Let's go there. Let's go there. So from verse 5, Paul began to talk. He says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not a thing to be grasped, to be equal with God, but made himself 
of no reputation and took upon himself the form of his servant eh? and was made in the likeness of man and being found in a fashion as a man he did what? what did he do? he humbled himself can you tell your level being like Christ in humility? Hmm. I, I want to touch this or two very practical things. I don't want to speak at a high level. Humility. You know, the word sounds a little abstract. Everybody's humble. Everybody's humble. If you meet someone bigger than you, you humble yourself. Huh? You know, if you see someone like me now walk away from a fight, you think I'm a Christian. I've calculated the Bible says before you go to fight, you have to sit down and count the cause. Huh? If I look at you, you have more muscle than me. I'll tell you, see, because of the love of God. Because of the love of God. But what about when you are the powerful one? That is when humility is necessary. It says about Jesus that he being in the form of God, he had the fullness of the Godhead, and yet he humbled himself. I think it was Felix that was saying this same thing a few Sundays back. That Jesus was so powerful that if he had opened his mouth at any point during the process, it is terminated. If he says, I am tired, I don't go again. That is the end. And that was why the Bible said that like this sheep, he was led to the slaughter and he did not open his mouth. Eh? Yeah. So when we say be like Christ in humility, we're not saying be humble. Only when you are already humble. You, you know it's very easy to be humble when you are poor. You, you know it's very easy to be humble when you are poor. In every meeting, usually the, the humblest people are the ones that don't have money to contribute. If you see a man who is poor and still proud, that's the definition of witches and wizards. <laughs> but God, Jesus, being in the form of God, humbled himself. So when we continue from there, it says, He humbled himself and became obedient unto death. And became obedient unto death. Maybe we'll go back to the slide. So that you're be like Christ in obedience. Be like Christ in obedience. Hmm. He became obedient unto death. Obedience is another thing that it is easy to say that we are obedient. Eh? One man met Jesus in Mark chapter 10 and said to him, Teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said, You know the commandments. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. And the man said, Sir, I have been doing all this from my youth. And he was not lying. Do you know how I know that he was not lying? Jesus was impressed. The Bible said that Jesus looked at him. And loved him. Ah, you didn't see that in your Bible. 
But you know, eh? Some things that are easy for you are hard for someone else. The true test of obedience is when God requires that, that one that you are not willing to give. And Jesus said, let us try a test. And he turns to the man. And he looks at the man and finds out that the man has so many possessions. And he says, let me try you this one. He says, go and sell all that you have and give to the poor. And the man turned away sad because he had so many possessions. The true test of obedience is when God requires that one that you are not willing to give. Abraham had so much, he could afford to give God as many as God wanted. In fact, when one king was trying to offer him something, he said, No, don't worry. God has blessed me so much already. And what God was to demand from Abraham, he did not ask for possession. He asked for the one that he had only one. Mm. You know, some of us, money is not our problem. First, I'm very sure that God tells you to close your account today. You close it. You're not going to think about it. when it comes to time. I'll be giving more. But the day God said, can you add an extra one hour to your prayer time? <laughs> God, can we monetize it? <laughs> and that is why God deals with every man on an individual basis. What he's asking of you may not be what he's asking of me. So it would be an error for you to see someone that failed in an area because you are strong in that area. You are saying these people, their faith is low. When God demands, <laughs> but God will help us to be obedient. Like Jesus. He said that he was obedient unto death. Philippians 2 verse 7, we are still talking about becoming like Christ. Yeah? He says he took upon himself the form of a servant. He took upon himself the form of a servant. Now tell your neighbor, be like Christ in service. How did I know that Christ said, really said? John chapter 13. Maybe we should look at it because there was something, something fishy about how they started that passage. John chapter 13 from verse 3. Are we there? Can we eat together? Now, go to the next one. Okay. 
two verses do they make sense? Placing them side by side, do they make sense? He says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him authority over everything, knowing that he came from God and that he was going back to God, which means he does not owe you people on earth anything. Knowing all this, he got up, tied Rabba on his waist, and took a towel and began to wash the feet of his disciples. You know, it is one thing that your parents sold you into slavery. You know, some parents still say they are too little slavery. Uh, you count, you have like five. Go for one auntie in Lagos and, and sell one of the children to the auntie. Uh, they, they do it though. It's one thing that your parents sold you into slavery and you were made to become a servant. And that you knowing that you have been given authority over everything. He said, he went to start washing their feet. And you know, when Peter saw that action, he was shocked. Peter was one very vocal person. He said, no, Lord. What is this that you do? You know, because even in the level of servants, eh, you know, servants have level. There are the very high servants, the ones that are close to the heart of the master. You know, those ones are usually the ones the Bible refers to as cup bearers. Yeah, that ones that carry wine to the master. And, and you know, you know what wine does? When they have brought the wine and the king drinks it, he says, ah, this wine is good. In fact, eh, you see that my land at the backyard, you and your family can be family for this year. You have done well. But you see the servants that wash the feet. Eh? Those ones are the lowest class of servants. And Jesus began to wash their feet. And Peter said to him, No, Lord, you cannot do this. Jesus replied, I hope I still following that story. We don't have a long time to read through it, so I'm paraphrasing and giving you. Jesus replied, He said, See, you don't know what I am doing to you. Allow me to finish. When I finish, I will explain what I am doing. And Peter brought his own leg too. And he washed his leg. And then Jesus went to explain. Can we go to, I think, from verse 12? Jesus now went to explain what he had done. So after washing their feet, he put on his clothes back again. And he said to them, Do you understand what I have done to you? Continue. He says, You call me teacher and Lord. And the fact that I removed my clothes to wash your feet did not negate that fact. You are right. I am still your teacher. I am still your Lord. Continue. He said, but since you allowed your teacher and your Lord to wash your feet, eh, you also should be ready to do something even lower than this. Are we following in church, you know, say if your job is paying less than 200,000, it cannot be from the law. You've not heard words of encouragement like that. You, you've heard it. 
how can I call myself a child of God and I will bring myself low to be learning mechanic work? No, I will rather sit in my house and wait on the Lord. Who are you waiting for? The Lord is waiting for you in the mechanic workshop. You should be ready to wash each other's feet also. Can we run? Can we run? Oh, okay. I think uh, let me just um, see if I can touch two more. I still have a number of them. I didn't want to put everything on this slide so that um, I will not be bound by what is on this slide. Okay, so let's um, look at love. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Quickly, quickly, quickly. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 2. Look, these are very basic things that eh, we talk about on a daily basis. If we say love now, who here does not have love? We all have love. There's so much love in this church. At least I know that for one. But what we are talking about is the Christ kind of love. So by the time you take your own love now and you measure it alongside the love of Christ and it is not meeting up, what does it tell you? That you need to step up. Is it not? That's what we are doing. Conformity. So what does it say? It says live a life filled with love. Following whose example? The example of Christ. He says he loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us. A pleasing aroma to God. You know, I was in one uh, couple's summit once. And, uh, you know, you know how it usually goes. They were arguing on this public law. And some men stood up and, you know, they were vibrant. Talk to the sexy. This law, people have been saying, love your wife, love your wife. Bible also said women should submit to their husbands. If a wife refuses to submit, how can the husband love her? You know, it was, it was a, a, a strong debate. And as one of the only single, few single men in that meeting, I, could, I did not open my mouth to say anything. We are just listening. That no, the women must submit so that the men can love. It is submission that makes love to work. It sounds very nice, right? Unfortunately, the standard the Bible gave for love, it says, husbands, love your wife. How? Even as Christ loved the church. How did Christ love the church? Romans chapter 5, verse 28. For God commends his love towards us, in that while we are yet sinners, Christ died for us. The love of God does not depend on the response of the recipient. So whether she chooses to submit or not, <laughs> so are we seeing it now? So we love, we love, but is our love measuring up to the love of Christ? That's what we are doing this morning. As God reveals, what do you do? You take a look at your life. And you realize 
It does not make you a bad person if you have been waiting for your wife to submit before you love. No. But if today God is showing you a new kind of love, what do you do? You take a step for that. You know, one of the times when I preached this kind of message, there was an extra point God introduced for me. So I was going home, and uh, there's this, you know, these little black pears. I used to like to buy it for two reasons. I like the pear, and then I like to, when I, I'm done, you know that seed inside, you know, I throw it up, and I practice my football skills. I, I mean, those are the two reasons why I like buying that. So I bought the pear, and I licked the first one, threw it up, kicked it, ah, I was happy. I brought out the second one. I licked it, I was about to throw it up. And he said to me, be like Christ in cleanliness. <laughs> you, know, you know one thing about preaching is that God begins to deal with you first. It would be an error for you to think that because I'm standing here, I have all these things in order. But as you are talking, God is dealing with your own. Be like Christ in cleanliness. And I was asking, how was God clean? How did Jesus exhibit cleanliness? I know we very cleanliness is next to godliness and all those things. Show me in the Bible how did Jesus exhibit cleanliness? And he said, I will show you. John chapter 6, verse 12. I finished crusade. I will finish sharing food. And people finish littering. I hope we are done with the crusade. After all the miracles and sharing of the grace, I said, let us now pack all the fragments. And not, not to pack it and push it to one side, like we used to do. He said, put it inside basket. Okay? It's in church that we finish doing crusade. We share food. And people will leave pure water sachet and take away pack all over. Take it away. Are you not supposed to take it to your house to eat it? <laughs> and they will leave take away on the floor and then they go home. Yes, how was service today? He said it was powerful. We learned about becoming like Jesus. And your place is on the ground in church. In cleanliness. Tell your neighbor now. This one is not touching you. You know what you say. But you ask, ask that your neighbor. Does your toilet smell like Christ? Does your room look like Christ's room? Does it? <laughs> You know, I'm trying to make this as practical as possible so that you see that these things are not far away. Eh? Uh, should we do one, one, one test now? Let, let's do one test now. Eh? <laughs> Be like Christ in cleanliness. 
Let's look at one more. James 1, 1 verse 27. James chapter 1 verse 27. James chapter 1 verse 27. Can we read it? Uh-huh. Can someone use the mic and read it so it can come up? Yes. Praise the Lord. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God. The Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. Alright. Can we look at that in another version, please? Yes, Pure religion. And on the vows before God the Father is this. To visit the fatherless and widows, and widows in their affliction. And to keep himself unspotted from the world. Now, can you tell your neighbor, be my Christ in visitation? See, I'm, I'm trying to punch these little, little ones. There are heavier ones, but let, let's, let's deal with these minor ones. Being like, it's a pure religion. You think religion is only when we come to church? Eh? Visit as busy as Jesus was. He visited Lazarus, Mary, Martha. He was visiting Peter's mother-in-law. He was visiting. You know, this is one way, one place that the Orthodox churches are doing better than us. I grew up in the Catholic setting. If you announce, you must come to church. Ah, hey, brother, oh, well, I'm not calling anybody to uh, Brother, that person is sick. Let us just pray for him. You pray in church. After service that day, you did not say, let's go and see him. You just prayed for him that he was sick. After service, all road leads to his house. But here we are being spiritual. Don't, uh, don't, don't do this here. And you think it's not important? You know that one of the criteria, <laughs> Matthew 25, one of the reasons why Jesus rejected people was because of visitation. He says, I was in prison. And you did not visit me. Eh? Did you see that in your Bible? He said, depart from me because I was in prison. And you did not visit. Wait, wait, wait. Do you know that most times when people are in prison, it is because of their fault? Eh? So, we should be thanking God that justice has been served. Do you know it is easier to visit people in their houses than to visit them in prison? Huh? Are we communicating this morning? Be like Christ in what? Visitation. There's a lot more of them. But I think we should pray now. I think we should pray now. One of the ones I had on the board was to be like Christ in enduring hardship. Be like Christ in enduring hardship. I wanted to talk on that, but it would have taken a longer time. Or maybe let me just touch it briefly. You know, most times we have 
a conflict avoidance type. We assume that hardship is not for us. It's true, it's not for us. Praise God. But God makes great men in the furnace of affliction. What did I say? Isaiah 48 verse 10. He says, Behold, I have refined you, but I did not refine you with silver. I have refined you in the furnace of affliction. There was this book we read while we were growing up. I don't know if you still read it again. Without a silver spoon. How many of us know that book? Aha! You know, they, they showed us the story of a boy that he was not. They said that those people that you know when they cry, their parents will give them anything they want. Eh? When you stumble small, you see someone to carry and say sorry, don't cry. He was, he didn't have any of those privileges. But you know that there are people like that. When they sneeze, their, their parents will catch cold. But you find out that those people, when they eventually grow up and get into society, and they fail one course in school, eh? you fail one course in school. Lots of it are happening in my school now, school I finished for. People have been committing suicide. That he was right that lecture assist his paper in exam hall. And he went to that kid himself. I used to wonder. The Bible said about Jesus that it pleased God in bringing many sons to glory to make the captain of their salvation to suffer. Hello? I am not teaching you this morning that suffering is your portion, but Christ endured affliction. He says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, did what? Endured the cross. And in verse 4, he says that you have not even yet endured up to the point of shedding blood. I think that was Peter talking. He said, Let our God, the Lord Jesus, after you have suffered a while, let him strengthen you. Eh? <laughs> let him establish you. And then he will restore you. The Lord will strengthen you. Amen. The Lord will strengthen you. Amen. In the name of Jesus. As we start to pray this morning, one of the things God told me, okay, that's just the only prayer I'm going to pray, because I'm going to pray for uh, Someone here, you have a child, and you have been disturbed by the academic performance of that child. Say it now so I will not forget. If that child is in church, please bring the child. Okay, let's pray. If the child is not in church, just come and we'll pray together. Have you learned something this morning? Let's 
Someone you have not known. Remember where we started from? Formation. And you are here. You know you have not created a relationship with this God. We cannot talk about becoming like Him. If you are here in that category, please quickly come up so that we don't just assume and pass you. Okay? Oh, is this the child? Oh, beautiful. Lord, the spirit of excellence. Hey, I see you talk about Daniel. 
as you talk about Daniel, you are saying about this child that you will bring him in the places of power. If you are the parent of this child and you are in church, write this down. God is going to take this child to places of power. Places of power. Oh Lord, we give you praise. Father, we pray for that child. Lord, we are not going to lose that child to the drowning. In the name of Jesus. Your plans and purpose, is or her life, will not be cut short. In the name of Jesus. Why not think the Lord for teaching you this morning? Thank the Lord for teaching you this morning. 